Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship by Design with Dr. C. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline, and thank you so much for joining us today. Entrepreneurship looks different for everyone. How and why we start our business, challenges that occur, pivots we have to make, success we achieve, all while life is happening. That's why I love sharing these inspiring entrepreneurs with you and shed light that there is enough room for everyone to succeed and thrive, even if you're in the same industry. I am so honored today because I have Ruben Alvarez with me, and Ruben is the founder of The Marketing Hunters, the author of the international book brand Sharks, Unstoppable Strategies from Industry Leaders, and an expert in branding and marketing positioning. He has been featured in Business Insider, LA Style Magazine, Yahoo Finance, and many other news outlets for his disruptive branding methods. Ruben's main message is sales will bring you money, but brand will bring you legacy. Thank you so much for being here today, Ruben. No, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And um, I almost wish I would have had a cup of coffee, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we're beyond that. But I think that the, the main thing is that we, um, you know, that we give good information to people when they need it the most. And hopefully they're listening in the morning so that, that way they can get their, their day started right. Exactly. I feel the same way. <laughs> Definitely being a morning person, I, I do have my cup of coffee, but hopefully people listening have theirs too or tea. Um, but Ruben, thank you so much for really coming on today. And I know you are such a wealth of knowledge, just following all your stuff. I know the journey, a little bit about your journey, but I would love for others to know what you, what got you here today. Yeah, it's, it's, I, you know, it's a little difficult to say, but I think that people they like the story but realistically there's always a message or, or something that's like actually the real part of the story right stories just help us to memorize things and to relate a little bit better so I will tell the story but realistically it's progression and it's just getting that little bit better and I don't mean that in a way where people just go oh man like you know I just need that one percent better but they think that like one percent better is um you know doing something that you should have done anyway you know what I mean like mm -hmm. it, it's not going to the gym when you feel tired like that's almost like a given right yeah. it's it's actually putting an extra plate on even though you're tired and still you know what I mean so um what really got me here was I I made decisions that I thought were correct and then they were incorrect for me and then I had to adapt and one of those was um I went into culinary school so I'm actually a chef by trade mm. and I stayed in that for I think two or three years and I worked some pretty good jobs, but I realized that I didn't like working nights or weekends. And so a lot of the times people stay at these really bad jobs or careers because they, they just don't see like another way out. And then they wonder why am I not in life? And it's like, you just have to really see, is this right for me? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then you also have to, you know, another thing is kind of like looking at the signs, right? Because I was, I went from culinary to like making these little vape um, juice things or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't like that. And I was at that job and I interviewed for another one. And um, that one got me into my manufacturing career, which was like eight or nine years where I was doing sales and marketing, which got me to where I was. Mm -hmm. um, but I was in this vape job and I went on Craigslist and that's, that's what started was Craigslist, which is really funny to think about that. Um, you know, I went eight or nine years doing sales and marketing off of a Craigslist ad. And so I went to this place and it really tripped me out because there was like five people there because after 3.30, all the people in the back that are making the machines go home. So I went up there and there was like three or four people there for this large building. I thought like it was a scam and MLM, you know what I mean? I was like, I don't want to do They kept calling me back. And then finally, uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was like, she's like, hey, did they ever call you back? And I was like, no, no. And then finally, she's like, they call you back. And I was like, yes, they won't stop bothering me. She's like, just take it. And so there's a lot of these times where we get these opportunities and we just have to kind of go for them, even though they might seem a little risky and just kind of see what happens. But that's pretty much what got me there is just taking that opportunity. And then I worked my way up in that company in sales and marketing for about eight or nine years. And then it got me to where I am now, which is basically doing um, marketing for my my own company and then doing more of the branding, which is a psychological part. Mm. Well, I would love to talk more about the psychological part because, you know, that's like it holds a lot in my heart. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like sales and branding and just I mean, your overall message is leaving a legacy. But what is really the psychology behind all of that? Yeah, it's. It's hard to not say it's perception because 
there's so many fake marketers and gurus out there that have used it to their benefit to trick people out of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even though this might be a little taboo to say, but Ty Lopez was one of those people who became this great marketer that knew that there was these things that people would naturally attract to. Right. And so it was like money at the time and it was the Ferrari. And then he like transitioned it to books and it was very controversial. So there's all these little parts that go into what branding is and psychology. And at the end of it, it's, it's market positioning. Right. And we have a new thing called like a personal brand, which people still had, but now we have a label for it. And so the personal brand does the same thing that a business brand does, which is how you position yourself in the market or with other people. And then based on the way that they see you is how much, how much value they think you have and what they're willing to pay you. So branding is its, its own little identity because marketing is, I will get you more clients and here's a strategy to do so. Whereas branding is, here's how I'm going to position you so that clients don't fight you and so that you can charge higher prices. Mm-hmm. yeah no that makes perfect sense too and you're right there's a lot in the beginning of like marketing and sales that there was a lot of scams or you didn't really know who you could trust and it's building that like trust factor as well but also being just really present and open to this is who I am and marketing and positioning yourself in a way that people will gravitate towards versus like you said clients fighting or anything like that you don't want that yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. negative energy that shouldn't be there but I think that's so important and it, it really touches too on just the branding aspect of your personal brand and how it has become so key in developing who you are the world knows you as as well because I think you do a really good job with that especially I would love to talk a little bit about your book too because I know it just recently came out not too long ago right yeah it's been about like two months two months. So yeah, very recently. And how did you kind of get involved with that? How, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So, uh, what happened is I have a friend who's in, uh, he's a publisher, right. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, why don't, why don't we do this book? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to write a book. And he goes, well, the thing is that it's a, it's a co-authoring project where you find specific people and then you know, you, they kind of align with what you do. He's like, but at the end of the day, he's like, here's what you got to think about. He's like, I'm the publisher and I'm your friend. If you find four people or you find no people, he's like, we'll still do the book. So he's like, if you find no one and you just want to write a whole book, he's like, we'll just help you write the whole book. And so when you, when you have an opportunity like that, right, you kind of just go for it. Yeah. And so the, the lesson I think there is, um, for a long time, and even now, you know, I moved to El Paso four months ago, five months ago. Mm-hmm. And when people say, you know, who do you want to meet or what, what, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, my main goal is to meet as many people as I can, as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter who the person is. Uh, most people think like, oh, well, you know, I have a specific vertical. And, and if that person isn't in the vertical, then they can't help me. But just in the same way, the publisher was not in the vertical that I, that I had thought of, right? Yeah. But the more people that you meet, the more opportunities that kind of just seem to present themselves, mm-hmm. such as us being able to say that our book is an international book because one of the authors is actually in Germany and he has a book um, review page on Instagram. So um, he actually knows a lot of other book review people. So the book has been getting sent to all these book review places and it's been reviewed for free. Um, And it's in Germany. It's in um, France, Spain. Um, I think there's a few other places that we didn't have to promote because we just got introduced to all these people that you don't know when something is going to happen. And so therefore, all these opportunities just seem to, to come in place, you know, randomly. And I say random because you, when you when you look back, it's not really random. It's just all the people that you just happen to meet. That's so true. I mean, it goes back to like networking in general of being able to, you never know who knows who, but also it's just genuinely making that connection because it, they might not be able to do anything for you. And that's totally fine. That's a beautiful thing of just having a connection with someone and being able to maybe help them. They might not be able to do anything for you, but you can help them and you don't even know the ways. It could just be listening to them. You might be the first person listening yeah. to them um, and what they're saying. But I think it is so important, like community. That's something that's 
I know really important to me as well, but being able to build a beautiful community and connecting people, even it has nothing to do with me, but like what you're saying too, the publisher, being able to be friends with him and just the opportunities that present themselves and even moving to a new place, like a new state, all of those factors, you just never know what something can come from. And I love that you are really focused and I've seen it on your stories and whatnot of like just meeting people and making these connections because it's about like who you surround yourself with as well. Yeah. That's what I think. Well, I, I think that we go so, so broad, right. And then also so small. And so we say, Hey, um, you know, I want to meet people only in this industry. So then you like close yourself off. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time we go, Oh, well, like, you know, I met somebody, but then they, they didn't help me right away. So we kind of push them away. Right. And that's where I say, like, we go too broad is we have these high expectations of like, well, I just met the neighbor and the neighbor can't do anything for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But not realizing it's like, well, you met the neighbor and all you have to do is just keep a good relationship with them. And then, you know, something might happen down the road, but we, we want these immediate results so quickly yeah. that we don't think of saying, Hey, you know what, why don't I just focus on this city? and meet as many people as I can and what's funny is that instead of saying like I, I'm just going to focus on this city but I also want to grow in Dallas and then you know what Arizona sounds really cool and then there's Florida right so there's all these places that you want to like meet people the people in your city know all these other people too right so the moment that you have like 10 really good friends that know 10 other really good friends in Dallas then you can go to Dallas and meet all those people because you already established. But most people don't think that way. They just think I have to go travel back and forth to Dallas, not knowing anyone. And that's where the problem is, is just focus on where you're at. And then you can really grow very, very quickly as long as you do that. Oh, that's really good. And it goes back to just having like a solid foundation too of understanding, okay, like building those core relationships because it is quality over quantity, but like you can grow in the quantity piece once you have those, that quality. And that's what I'm hearing you say too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like, I think it's so important. No, it it really is. Um, And it's just being there for those, those people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we've all seen that in your business, there are other business people that are willing to help you, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we have, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a referral source, right? But we have people who are willing to introduce you to other people. Yeah. And so then we're like, oh, why don't we just go like and pay attention to these new people or blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, why don't you just pay attention to the people that you already know? You know, like still pay attention to all these other people, but don't give them the same quality attention, right? Because yeah. these are the ones that actually care about you. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's little things like that, you know what I mean? Um, and then just always being willing to help someone, like, especially if it's, you know, like the publisher, he reaches out to me and says, Hey, I need this. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's not so transactional. And I think that that's where we, we kind of lose it is mm-hmm. like, you, we have that ego thing where it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't charge them. Should I have charged them? And we second guess ourselves and everything. It's like, you, you can make that decision. If you chose not to charge them, why does it like, who are you judging yourself against? Are you judging you against yourself or the, the pit? You know what I mean? Yeah. So all these, all these little things that just pull people back. No, it definitely does. And I think people, especially like in the beginning or just like really excited about their business and they want to like share it with everybody, but then they're like overcharging or undercharging. But I think it goes back to like standing in our core values and our principles. And I'm curious with what you were saying earlier too, because you had kind of gone through this journey of starting as a chef and then gradually moving into where you are now. What have been some of the roadblocks that you've experienced as you've been building your business and being on the entrepreneurial route? You know, as as bad as this is going to sound, social media is not going to get you every single one of your clients, right? (laughs) Um, The second thing is, if you are going to use social media, having a consistent message. And I don't mean that by, by saying, like, you know, you have too many things that you're talking about and promoting and it doesn't all align. I mean... If you want to get a client for a specific thing, then what does that client care about, right? And creating around that message, not creating around the message of this is what I do, but instead of creating around the message of this is your problems and here are the solutions. And I, and the only way that you can really help them understand that that's your solution is by creating stuff around that. And so in the beginning, um, the, the brand that I had was very good, but it didn't really focus on helping anyone. 
So therefore it was more or less just a vanity piece for people like, I like what you do and I like how it looks. Can you help mine look the same way? Whereas instead now it's, I, I understand that you understand what my problem is. And therefore I want to create stuff like that where I can help my clients understand, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's all these, these pieces of disconnection, which I think are very normal in, um, in business people's, uh, starts, you know, when, like, when you're starting off, you, you don't really understand that you might be doing things wrong. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to, to kind of accept that. But, um, the other thing I, I, um, I would say to anyone who's starting off is know where to invest your marketing dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I've overspent quite a bit on marketing dollars, trying to figure it out. And the best use of your marketing dollars are on the actual people. And then sometimes on, on a few things for yourself, but more or less on the people and then also on the um, on the look that you have and that you perceive. So, um, you know, a lot of the, the sales that that people focus on is more just direct outbound and that is creating a brand in itself. But then they have no idea of what your company does. So if you can help with people um, understanding what your business does before they ever get the call, then it really smooths the transition of um, being able to do business with you simple as that right (laughs) (laughs) no I mean you're absolutely right I think too it it goes back to just having knowing where your money's going but also like having the results too of like with people versus just throwing money at something that you're not really sure but it goes back to too knowing what your message is what the problem is that you're solving and I think that's really a challenge for so many people in the beginning of their business they're like oh I love doing this but okay, how is it solving the problem? Like, I know I struggled with that in the beginning um, of my journey, but I think a lot of people do from what I've heard from others. So it's so comforting knowing that there is a way to do it. It's just finding the right tool set to do it and the right people as well that can help you move along that journey. So you're not running in circles, essentially. Yeah. And then, and then just seeing like, because there's, there's a cost. Well, I, I guess this would be a big, important one, but seeing what you're cost per customer is right mm-hmm. and some people don't even know what that cost per customer is but like let's say it's you know a thousand dollars um and then seeing how you can put a marketing cost towards that and then seeing if you make more so for example if we spend two hundred dollars on a customer to take them to dinner and then you know buy them starbucks gift cards to kind of keep following up with them and um you know drive to them every so often to to hang out with them mm-hmm but that turns into $1,000, right? Most people are like, okay, well, that's, that's a pretty good return. But if the customer stays with you on an average for 12 months, then your marketing budget becomes a lot higher because you know that you could spend $800 to make 12,000, you know? So seeing, seeing things like that allows you to know how much you can invest from your profit to be able to get a customer and that in itself probably took me about a year, year and a half before I started thinking in those ways, whereas before it was just about obtaining customers. And you have to make that, that change at some point of going from like a startup into an actual business owner that starts thinking that way. Mm-hmm. No, you're spot on. And I'm curious because you've had a lot of clients and a lot of success. What has been maybe one or two client su- success stories you could share with us today? That's a good one. Um, you know, the best, the best success I think is when we reach the desired audience and it turns into sales at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so one of our really good clients, they are a meal prep company and I've never told them this. So if you watch this, it's going to be really funny, but, um, my, my sales manager was like, Hey, there's this client that we could bring on and they're a meal prep company. And I was like, dude, I, I don't know. Like if we bring them on, that's going to be like a one to three month client, which I've, I've, um, put my clients into like you know, certain, uh, categories or like buckets, you know what I mean? So it's like, here's a client that I think is going to stay with us for like, you know, over a year or indefinitely. And then here's a client who's going to be one of three months. And then here's a client that's going to be six months, but then they're probably going to stay with us longer. And so this one, I'm like, I don't know, there's, there's not a lot of margin, you know, in food prep. Mm -hmm. So therefore there has to be a lot of new sales in order to get that return. Right. Right. And so if he doesn't have that base, then there's not going to be anything. So we went there and he had a storefront already. And basically he already had the client base, but what he needed is to get his social media presence because he already had the, the, the following. 
he needed to become more real. And so that that way people started kind of sharing stuff. So what we did is we created this plan. And to this day, he's grown over a thousand followers or so. But Mm -hmm. the amount of clients that went from his shop, um, it's grown exponentially. And it's because the targeting and the message and everything just aligned so well that it allowed for the perfect storm for him to get more exposure, which turned into clients, which turned into uh, his current clients referring people and it just has blown up. So that's been a really cool one. And then the other one is um, we recently started getting into consulting and, um, and trainings. And so we've been able to train with um, a few uh, companies, but recently we, uh, we trained with the city of Socorro, which is a government entity here. And that has led us into um, the opportunity to train now with uh, the county of El Paso. And then we had other cities uh, that are surrounding us, which we can't say yet, that have reached out to us to see if we could do some trainings for them. So um, what we're doing that's a little bit different is we're not going in there and saying, you know, here's what you're doing wrong. And, you know, you know, you're on social media, but you need a website. And it's because we're trying to sell them a website. Mm -hmm. Instead, we say, here's all the things that you're doing wrong. And we train their people to do them right, not with the intent of them hiring us after, but with the intent of actually teaching them good practices so that they themselves can do it. I love it. It's the ripple effect of when you help one person, it could trickle into everything else, too. And you're it's like, what's the saying? Like, if you teach a man, um, if you teach a man to fish. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, if you, if, you, if you give them a fish, you know, they'll still be hungry. But if you teach them to fish, they'll never go hungry again. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the reality, right? Where you're able to actually learn the skill set. So it is duplicatable as well. So it's not like needing it constantly or help from outside sources, but you can really help grow it from the inside out as well and being able to really focus in on that. So I think that's super important. And I love both stories because they're so different too, but of how you've really been able to help your clients grow just within their business, but also, I mean, personally too, they've grown, I'm sure, just from what you're saying and being able to take on more clients and having more sales and being able to see those results. And that's what it's about, the results. Well, the the really interesting part that I like about this, um, like I said, it's all psychology, right? But Mm -hmm. most people and even our clients, they hate doing video. And I think as, as a society, we hate being in front of a camera, right? Like it's just something that we really dislike. There's maybe 10% of people that might enjoy it. And then there's 90% that absolutely despise it. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is as from a psychological standpoint, we are actually giving people more confidence because we force them in front of a camera and we show them how to do it in a very comfortable, natural setting to where even after um, they do these videos, now they're doing their own and they're doing stories and things like that because it has made them a lot more comfortable with a roadblock that they once had. And so for me, I never thought of that beforehand, but it feels really good to know that you almost like developed a person, even though they paid you for a different service. That, you know, it's interesting you say that because a lot of times I hear this from so many people and I've seen it too, where there's like a service you're offering, but everything that they get underneath that is so much more. And it's the value that you bring personally to your clientele as well, but really being able to give them that confidence to know I can show up powerfully because I've done it. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. The night they're part of that 90%. But they yeah. show up because they've been, been given that confidence that's been inside of them. They just needed it to be pulled out a little bit. And yeah. that's a testament to what you've been able to help your clients with. No, absolutely. It's um, it's it's those things that you don't realize until you're kind of there in the moment. And then the way that you bond with the people that you're helping with as well. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's another thing is like most of the time, if we're going to be helping someone, Uh, it's very surface level but it's like how can you spend a little bit more time right where you don't you don't take away all your time but spending that extra bit amount of time where it's not about business just to actually get to know the person because they are your customer and at some point you're going to be dealing with them for such a long time unless they're not you know on a on a retainer base but most of the times businesses thrive on retainer base so if, if you are one of those businesses you're going to be dealing with these people for such a long time that the faster you become friends with them, the better, because at some point you will become a friend with them. So why not just cut that all down? Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I mean, it goes back to like that community, like communication, but the human connection as well of 
being able to open up that tunnel of communication and being able to know that somebody's in your corner, they want to see you do well for your business, but you're also supporting them and seeing that grow too, because I think it just merges so well together when you're able to do that. And I think everyone's capable of doing it. It's just being able to spend that little extra time goes such a long way. And we don't even realize it maybe in that moment, but how it transpires. And I'm sure you can see that in a lot of your clients as well, of just how that relationship has bloomed from just doing the little extra. It makes a difference. And so if you were to look at your journey thus far, what has been like maybe the two or three most pivotal tips that you wish you would have known in the beginning that you know now? One would be hire a salesperson. (laughs) Yeah. And that's probably before you hire anyone else. The reason is because if you get sick as the only person in your business or you have an off day or whatever it is, you no longer have somebody pushing your company message or anything else out. And the other thing is if you hire anybody besides a salesperson, let's say you hire a customer service agent or you hire an accountant or whatever it is, that person's job is not promotion. A salesperson's is. Mm -hmm. So it all falls and dies with you. And I think that that's where most businesses experience burnout is that they feel I can't get sick. Um, You know, I have to keep leading and I have to do this and I have to do that. And if you really look at the bottleneck, right? Well, why can't you take a day off because you can't hire because you don't have sales? So how does that get fixed? A salesperson, right? And it's like, okay, well, the message isn't getting out fast enough. And, you know, I can only do so much. Your accountant isn't going to be promoting with you every single day. It's a salesperson. So it's like, it's, it's really the main idea is just keep hiring salespeople because even they are marketers in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And so the more people you can get talking about your company, the faster you will grow. Mm-hmm. um the second thing geez <laughs> it's funny because there's so many things that that happen you know what I mean there's so many things that it's like where do you where do you even start off the you know what um this is something that I came into it with but um it's how you structure and how you're able to communicate with the team as a whole mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and this might be for somebody who has now three or four people on the team um I didn't know about this until maybe two months ago which was monday.com and so there's a lot of these um, these tools that you can use. There's HubSpot, there's CRMs and things like that. But CRMs usually are more for like the sales team. But how do you communicate with your internal team? And so there's Slack um, and other places like that. But I found that monday.com is really good, especially if you're like project oriented, because then you can, you can um, attach and do everything in there as far as like files. Um, we tried Trello for a really long time, but the problem is that we couldn't give deadlines. We couldn't see where people were working on stuff when they were working on it. Um, we couldn't, you know, directly attach to like Dropbox and, you know, it was just not working for us. So when we found Monday, um, it really did. And so for your business, find these things that allow you to communicate better with your team so that that way you're not going back and forth on email. And then from email, you're going to text message groups and things like that. Um, on Monday, we're able to just all communicate. We have an app and then everybody can check our own statuses and it allows us to not be having to micromanage or think of what everybody's doing. And it instead allows everybody to have a better workflow. And it's actually caused less conflicts between us and the team because we're able to communicate better. And that's always going to be one of the bottlenecks as well is how well can you communicate with someone? And then when something, you know, like something gets sold, who does it go to? How long does it take? And everything, if you're having to micromanage that whole process without being able to see it, then it's really going to slow you down. Oh, that's good. I've never heard of that. But I I think too, it's like communication is so important, especially like the way you communicate with people and your team and you don't want to be micromanaging and nobody likes to be micromanaged for the most part, (laughs) but being able to see that flow. Yeah. What's funny about that is that I, that's not how I am, but um, I have a business partner now and he's in software. And so his mind thinks very different. Mm -hmm. And so he has his other business on, 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 you know, by himself, but because of that, he's showing me all these like different processes and automations and things like that. And so we don't think like that, right. We're Mm -hmm. capped by our own knowledge. So it's really good to get around different, you know, we always talk about getting around different people, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say get around different people. I would say get around someone who's the complete opposite of you and see what you can learn from them. 
because they have so much information and especially try to get around someone that knows software has been in Silicon Valley, you know, <laughs> yes. because the, the engineer's mind just works so different that mm-hmm. they are able to like structure and construct things for you so beautifully. And so like just little things like that, you know what, I'll, I'll do one more. One okay, more. go for it. <laughs> okay. So if you're in a team of like five or more, I would say, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, create an organizational chart that shows who is below who and for what reason. And so what this allows you to do is, for example, let's say that it's um, it's you and then you have someone who's like a, a pseudo manager that you've mm-hmm. never made a manager, right? But they do kind of like they're right below you. And then you have some people who are in design and you have a salesperson, right? So yeah. then everybody works together, but then you're like, okay, well, this person kind of respects this person, but you know, but then you say, hey, look, here's me. And then you two are managers, but under, under this person who's a design manager, there's two other people and this these two people report to you right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now everybody understands this person over here, if they want anything from these two people, they have to go to this person, not to these two people. Yeah. And so therefore it allows it to be very clean because if this person doesn't get something done, they can't just be, Oh, why well, don't it's like, no, no, no. This person had to tell this person and if they didn't get it done, then you two talk, right? These people mm-hmm. never get involved. This person is going to, you know what I mean? So things like that, mm-hmm little tiny things like that um that we don't think about but that allows your whole team to grow faster because now there is organization yeah and we think that it's not important but it's so important to be organized and so that everybody's on the same team and it's not just in our minds but instead mm-hmm. that they understand oh that was a good one i'm so glad you added that in there because it, it is like that organization piece of communicating in between teams and like not having to report everything to one person but if you have teams that, okay, this team reports to this person, then that person reports to the next person. So it kind of has that more of a flow where you're not like getting um, communication from somebody or it's translated differently, but you're able to have that like solid foundation within each team. And I think that is so important because if you aren't organized, you're not going to be able to grow or scale or do all the things you want to do if you're constantly combating everything. Exactly. Well said. Thank you for all those tips. <laughs> um, so I'm curious because I know you're a dad, you're a husband. Um, what has been your journey of integrating work, life, family, and letting seeing all of that come together for you? Yeah, I've always I've I read uh, I think it was called The One Thing, or I can't remember what book I read, but basically it was talking about time stacking. And mm-hmm. like it was saying if you have like 40 different activities, right? So like let's say like lunch. And then you have like business meetings. Could you get lunch in a business meeting and stack it so that that way you do two things at once and then you just save some time. So with, uh, with my family, I was like, I was like, how can I stack them so that I always have more time with them? And now I'm, I'm kind of breaking them up, you know, because um, we're going to be working like in in an office and everything. And then, um, my wife is going to be out of the business and then she's going to be at home. But, um, what it still allows me to do is, I'm always looking for how I can, how I can bring those back, right? Mm-hmm. How I'm able to stack these so that that way I can spend as much time as I can with my family while still doing other things. Mm-hmm. And so if, um, you know, my son has, if I'm not able to be home all day and my son has, you know, MMA and I or something like that, then mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my wife, you need to come with us because then, you know, I still have to spend time with my wife and, and my daughter. Whereas instead, if we're spending time together, it kills a lot of these other times, right? And I'm still going to have to give them their own individual times, but it helps to be all together instead of being separate. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how I've I've done it for the entirety of the last 10 years is trying to find those opportunities to really, if this person is going to do this, you know, if I need to spend time with my son, but I need to buy groceries on Saturday morning, he's coming with me Mm -hmm. instead of letting him sleep in. It's like, that's cool. You can sleep in, but later on, you're going to tell me I spend time with you. So now wake your ass up and we're going, you know, (laughs) like we're coming, let's go. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think too, it's important to find those times because it's like time you can never get back. And especially with family, especially as they get older, like they grow so fast. Um, but being able to have that quality time and making it a priority, I think is so key of anything we do. But really, I love how you merge it together or make it work for you and your family. So I think it's important just to highlight that because I think family is really important. Relationships are really important. The psychology behind relationships, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, but I've been enjoying this conversation so much, Ruben. But we're going to jump into the rapid fire questions if you're ready okay. for them. Okay. Yeah. 
The first question is, who is your hero? You know, it, it shifts around a lot um, because especially when they say like you shouldn't meet your heroes, you know, like for a long time, I was like, you know, we have Grant Cardone and all these people and then you meet them and you realize they're like very, very normal people. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so right now I don't really have one. I have a lot of people that like I look up to, mm -hmm. but uh, I feel that uh, the faster that you catch up to someone, the less that they become like that, that hero. Right. And they become more normal. So, um, you know, Elon Musk, maybe, right? Um, mm -hmm. But again, he shows his flaws so much that it's really hard to to kind of keep him in those those high standards. But I think that mm -hmm. someone like that, Warren Buffett, is very, very, very good as well. I really like him. Yeah, no, they're phenomenal individuals in their own right. Um, maybe personality might be different, but what they've been <laughs> able to accomplish is another Yeah, very, too, very different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the variety pack. We <laughs> learn something new from people that are different than us, too. <laughs> Exactly. You know, just quoting you. <laughs> um, what motivates you to work smarter? The it's knowing that there is really no cap on potential, mm. right? It's it's so weird to know that e even now, right? Like we have phones, but realistically, when we start off as humans, there was rocks and dirt, and so how the hell does a phone really work when there was only rocks and dirt? Like, mm -hmm. how is any of this really possible? When you think about it, it's always been humans mm -hmm. and humans got us to the moon. And so when, when you think about yourself, right, mm -hmm. there's really no difference between you and another person. The circumstances of when you were born might've been a little bit different, but that never really stopped anybody else. It didn't stop like Henry Ford, for example, to make like yeah. the first, and you know, like the V8 engine and stuff like that. So when, when you think about all that, it's really hard not to keep going or pushing we're thinking that you can do more yeah. because you can and to to say you can't is really just an excuse so it, it's it, again it goes back to like logic and, and like psychology and stuff mm -hmm. logically speaking it's hard not to mm -hmm. it's hard not to think that more can be done yeah no you're absolutely right if you look at all walks of life of all different backgrounds like the ones that have risen to the top of their industries is because of the work they put in but you're right we have an unlimited potential of what we can accomplish it's just sometimes this mindset thing <laughs> gets in the way yeah. <laughs> i'm guilty of that <laughs> no it, it's i mean everybody has tough days right but as long yeah. as i remember in my 20s i had maybe in every week like four good days and three bad days mm. and now in my 30s I have bad hours and I don't have bad days anymore mm -hmm. which is strange to think about right because we yeah. still like during that time we're just like god I don't want to work you know it's Friday and I should be better but as long as there's that progression that actual progression right, right. I mean to go from three days to a few like hours it's insane to think about. So that is good progression. And as long as we, I, I talk about like, you know, um, fake positive optimism, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're just like, oh, I didn't feel like going to the gym today. And I went and it's like, that's BS. And I hate you for it because you are better than that than to be, than to be, um, you know, what's it called? Celebrating that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I get celebrate the small wins, but that is not a small win, right? Like, like if you are fully healthy, right? Somebody who doesn't have legs and they don't feel like going to the gym and they go, yes, absolutely. You have legs, you're full bodied and able, right? Mm -hmm. You went to the gym and you had a killer workout. You know what I mean? Like, yes. But like, I didn't feel like getting out of bed and I got out and did a walk. It's like, dude, do more, right? Like, like don't, don't live this fake positive optimism of like I, I did what I should have done and that's good it's like no like you should have done that you know so yeah. uh, sorry that's that that part yeah. really gets me fired up <laughs> <laughs> don't apologize it, it's true it's really about just pushing past the limits like some days yeah like you're not gonna have the best hours or day and that's okay we all go through ups and downs and it's a roller coaster but it's recognizing to celebrating when we do have accomplishments and it, it might be a small win of going to the gym and like having a killer workout like you said versus like I know I need to get outside every day and okay that's like a, a requirement for me and like knowing what pushing past those limits I think is important it's like having boundaries but pushing past the ones that you need to push past yeah I think that that's why I've always really liked David Goggins right because it's mm -hmm. the people that are willing to 
Um, and Kobe Bryant was the same, but David Goggins kept running through, um, I think like blisters on his feet, right? He showed his foot and it was torn up. And then you had Kobe Bryant that like literally destroyed, destroyed his ankle or his Achilles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had Michael Jordan who would play every game, even though he had the flu. And it's like these people that understand that certain things are given and that you don't celebrate the given things. You celebrate you actually being able to do more because the given things are just going to keep you, you know, there's, there's average and the people who do the things that are like given when they don't feel like it, they break past average. Right. Yeah. But then they're like, why can't I reach that million? It's because you're only doing the things that you don't feel like doing when you want to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like to, to get into that past the seven figure mark, you, you can't be stuck in like, I wanted to go outside and I went outside and I feel good about it. It's like, fuck, I, I, I felt like shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. If you can, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but, but I felt horrible and I went outside, but when I felt good, I was going to run seven miles. And today I ran eight on the day that I felt like crap. That is an accomplishment because I did more on the day that I felt like crap. And that, mm-hmm. that's what's hard. And that's yeah. what actually gets you to where you want to be. Absolutely. I mean, even just like, if you look at sports, for instance, like I know, like even in college cheerleading for me, like there's days that I did not want to go to practice, but those ended up being the best practices because I pushed through it. And anything like when business, if you want to get to that next level, you have to do things that are at the next level to get there. You can't be mediocre, essentially, if you want to be the best in something is what I'm hearing. And I think that's important to recognize and to push past it. These were all capable. Exactly. <laughs> so if you were to be a superhero, what would be your power or powers? I don't know. I think I probably just want to run fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's it. You know, you know, it's like there's so much time wasted. I think it's just like, oh, okay, well, when can you be at work? I'll be there in two seconds. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, let me just finish what I'm doing. Just, oh, what's up? What do you need? You know? You could really time stack there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, dude, it's like, it can, how long is it going to take me to get to, to California? It's like, you know, three hours on a plane. And if I'm traveling and I'll be like, oh, you know what? I'll just, well, I'm there, you know? So <laughs> Less yeah, time wasted. <laughs> that's how you know that time has become such a big part of my life. Because before when I was younger, I'm like, I'm invisible, you know? But now it's just. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, what is the most daring thing you've ever done? I'm actually doing it right now. Um, as I said, I have a business partner. We're going to be merging companies. Mm. And they're, to, to be transparent and vulnerable right now, there's a lot of things that come into play when this happens, right? And I think it's ego more than anything. Um, you know, I'd spent two years building up a company. And so therefore, I'm like, is it right to let go of this, this name and this image and this persona? Right. But you have to realize that if you're doing everything correctly, mm-hmm. it's not about what you build. It's about who you are. Yeah. And so we hang on to all these physical things, right? And, and let's take business out of it. Your house burns down and you mm-hmm. feel horrible because you're like, you know, my memories and all this stuff, right? Yeah. But realistically, like what was more important, the memories or the fact that you're still alive, right? And do and can you make more based on who you are? And that's that's where where I think risk comes so much into my life is because there's before this, I haven't felt this kind of risk maybe since I was like 25, 26, right? Yeah. And so you get this like gut feeling of like mm-hmm. like I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And who do you ask? And you don't have anyone ask. And you kind of just have to take that trust and, you know, just work through it. And so I try to take a lot of risks, but I realized that the risks that I had been taking were not what I thought they were until now. Well, I'm excited for you. I know I saw a story about that recently, but I can't wait to see what unfolds for you because I know it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. But best case scenario, you know what I mean? That's what we always go for and then work around that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and what is the phone app that you use the most? Instagram. Fair enough. <laughs> there is a new one though, in case anybody, uh, it's mm. called Be Real, which I really like. And um, it's just pictures and it takes a frontward picture and a backward picture and you're only able to do one in a day. And Ooh. so we'll see if it catches on because it's it's a fairly new app and it might die like most new apps do. But the simplicity behind it is so very nice with all these other apps that have so many things. 
that mm -hmm. this one just allows you to do one thing and there's no filters and you have to take a front and a back at the same time. So it's really cool. But other than that, it's Instagram and I love Instagram. But I also hate it, but I really like it. <laughs> well, I got to check out that new one. I haven't heard of that yet. So now I know. <laughs> yeah. And what is the last book that you've read or listened to? Oh, I'm actually listening to Psycho-Cybernetics right now, which mm -hmm. I know I'm behind and there's a lot of people who are probably going to be mad at me. Um, it's a great book. And if I'm going to ruin it for you and give you <laughs> one thing that I've taken from it, because there's a lot of information, right? Mm -hmm. But the main point that I got from it is that you cannot get to where you want to be if your self-image is capped to where it is now. So for example, if you mm -hmm. say, hey, I want to be a millionaire, but your self-image is capped at where you are now, yeah. then you will never get to that. And so how we see ourselves really really matters and and you might think like oh well the millionaire one i've heard before right but we don't stop to think okay well you know what i want to be you say like i want to be this way right and so we're like we, we're thinking like oh you know i want to be that way and after when the situations come up i have to right but we don't think i am that way yeah right and so therefore um even now as we're going into this new business I think I have to be this way instead of I am this way. And so because I've been reading this book, I am the ways that I want to be now versus the ways that I thought I had to be. And it's a little, it's really good as a reminder, but it's such a long book. It's like 11 or 12 hours on audible. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's been the main thing is just growing your self image in your mind mm -hmm. before you get to the place where you want to be. Because if you wait, you're always going to be capped by what it is in your mind anyway. Yeah. It's like believing it before you see it and being able to really embody it and show up as you want to be. Yeah. Love it. I need to reread that. I read that a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I'm always getting reminded of books I need to reread. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm sad that this is the first time I've read it because, you know. I've, but you're I've, reading it. I'm so that's all that Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. <laughs> So if you had to describe yourself as an animal, personality type, style, what animal would you be? You know, it'd be really hypocritical if I didn't say shark at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, we, we use it quite a bit and um, I've been using it for a really long time. So it's that. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I never really understood it until I really started to think about it because I wanted an animal and I didn't want it to be the lion or the wolf because it's just kind of something that everybody uses. But I really like the, the element of, because um, they're like, the shark isn't the most aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And it's not the king of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is that, like, if you get into, because they're like, orcas kill sharks, right? But if you get into the into the ocean with an orca, there's a chance you might survive. It really is. You know what I mean? But something about, like, a shark, right? And the smells blood in the water. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's very, very hard for you to be like, oh, I'll take on, like, a, a you know, 40, 50, 60-pound shark. Yeah, and, I'll, like and I'll live. And it's very, very unlikely. So... There's something about knowing that us as humans are not meant to be in water. You go into water with the shark and you're basically screwed. And right. so that's the whole concept behind it is like, I want people to be in my element to where they're screwed if they ever come into any contact with me, not mm -hmm. the other way around. I never want to be on level playing field with everyone. I always want to have the home court advantage. Ooh, that makes sense. I like that explanation. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. Um, so what is your favorite way to spend a day off if you aren't working on anything that you have going on in the background? What do you like to do? I don't know. My mind is very programmed to like task oriented stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way that it's not is if I am drinking. <laughs> so that's when I get to actually like mellow out. But other than that, I like even on days off, I'm like, this has to be clean and this. And like, let's say that I'm sitting down and watching TV then I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And so therefore I'm thinking that I have to do something. It's funny because I get very depressed during the weekend sometimes because I'm like, I'm not doing stuff. So I've had to, I've had to go out with friends, relax, you know, mm -hmm. um, I don't drink every weekend, but I started drinking a little bit um, just to kind of be able to, to slow down, you know, because if not, I don't slow down. My brain is just always go, go, go. Life Although there is one thing actually, um, I really like um, sound meditation, like chakra bolts mm, and stuff like that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's that's actually forget the drinking. I never said drinking. Also, <laughs> sound chakra bolts. That's my the reality underneath everything. You know, like yeah. just getting centered. <laughs> exactly. Meditation. 
Um, and what is something an outsider wouldn't know about your industry? The industry, the industry of marketing. I, I'll, I'll say the industry of social media more than anything yeah. is that each platform works differently, but there is a big shift right now more than anything. And the shift is more towards finding real people, right? And we see that in, in every industry more than anything is we want to do more business with real people and we want to interact more with the real people and stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's also a big shift towards um, education a little bit like whereas before it was only entertainment now there is a little bit of an education aspect which is very helpful for like especially entrepreneurs yeah. but because of that you still have to mix entertainment into it and it seems very easy right because I, I talk about this all the time so we're like Ruben you're not saying anything new but most people don't take the time to really understand that right and, and they're saying like, well, I do, I do entertain. It's like, you really don't, you know what I mean? Because we, we are all quirky in our own way. Right. So for example, let's say that we're talking about like, um, let's talk about like money and financial. We're like, look, um, instead of saying like, Hey, look, uh, there's a big problem coming to the U S and there's a lot of stock bonds and blah, blah, blah. Right. There's me, Kevin, who actually does a lot of this stuff and he's very like quirky and fast. So instead of doing that, we could be like, look, you're about to get screwed on money in the U S let me tell you why we are all like that in some way or another, but we think that we can't do that. And we don't realize that by not showing our real side while we're educating, we're actually damaging what yeah. we like our reach and the people that could actually like relate with us. So that's, that's one of those things that's happening a lot right now that if you can, if you can really, really understand that, it'll help you. Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much, Ruben, for coming on today. Where can people find you, use your services? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too. Yeah. So the only place that I want people to find me at is on Instagram at I am Ruben Alvarez. And I have a lot of other places, but um, another little marketing tidbit just to leave you with. Yeah. Um, if you can, if you want fast growth, give people one thing and then everybody will follow that one thing. And then you can kind of get everything else from there. Um, so ever since we started doing only Instagram, um, every week I get about 100 to 200 followers. Yeah. Because every person that I meet, they might give me a business card. I'm like, do you have Instagram? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so if you want to find me, do Instagram, and then from there we'll take it. You know, whatever you want, whatever you need. You want to know about my book? You want to set up a call? You want me to set up a call with you? Whatever it is, but just find me on Instagram. Perfect. Well, we'll only link Instagram then. Okay. <laughs> Drive traffic. <laughs> but thank you so much, Ruben, for coming on, sharing all the amazing tips that you did. I know you are a wealth of knowledge, like I said in the beginning, because it's so true but you're so relatable and being able to really help people when it comes to marketing and sales and just really showing up as our authentic selves. So I so appreciate your time and energy today. No, thank you. And I appreciate you for having me on and for, you know, having this show, um, you know, all the people that you bring on are really, really awesome. And I've seen a few of the episodes. So thank you as well. Oh, thank you. And make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Ruben? I'm sure he would love to read that comment. I know yeah. I would as well, um, but thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next video.